0: Hello, fellow friends, family degenerates, and welcome to another edition of Caged Wisdom MMA. My name is Josh, and I am your co host, along with Buck Schlurf over at MMA Nerd. Hey, hey everybody. Sorry, I'm on my way up
1: Salt Lake City. Hey.
0: This wasn't planned, by the way. It's UFC. A
1: long, it's a long walk <laughs> up to Salt Lake.
0: This skit's continuing. I like it. <laughs> Uh, uh, UFC two nine one coming up, man. They've got, they've got three UFC events that are seemingly back to back to back. And, uh, you know, but we're, we're going to be here bringing the pain for you. This is a really, really good card. Just like UFC two ninety was UFC two ninety was a little rough on us. I don't, I don't, I don't have anything prepared to talk about with UFC 90, but man, there was some, who was the one fight that we were, uh, defied conventional wisdom.
1: Um I well, Robert listen, Whitaker, Robert Whitaker was, lost. Boy, I don't you're right. I don't think I I don't think I want to
0: talk about that. <laughs> yeah, but who who saw that coming? Very
1: very cool very uh, very cool upset. Uh I I have a, a newfound respect for for Jericus um because you know what if you don't beat Robert Whitaker by spazzing out. It's just you don't and so I, I'm, um, I'm willing to take a second look at that, and you know, there's, there's probably more to Duplessis that meets the eye. So yeah, I'm, I'm interested to look more. Whitaker looked flat though,
0: man. it's real flat going into that. Yeah, some of those um, body shots. I, 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 like I had, had that as one of my, I had it as as my absolute lock, and then you had that. I don't, I don't even know if I would call it entertaining. It was good, I guess it was good to watch or good to see. Uh, the the post fight interview or you know where they brought in oh I didn't Adesanya. like Adesanya yeah I mean it was it was not it was it was cringy yeah the best way I could describe that it was tough yeah. to watch but you know it was good to you know at least have him face off but I'm I'm not 100 percent sure I was and after him all into,
1: that he's not even the next title challenger they've already the announced Sean Strickland oh shit I know so now we get Sean Strickland versus Izzy uh boy the
0: build-up will be good though oh you hate uh, sean strickland don't you i don't
1: know i don't know <laughs> if it'll be good i it'll be mean but i don't know if it'll be good
0: <laughs> talk it'll about be someone good. without a filter jesus that guy will not survive in corporate environment today that's for damn sure but um tell me about it yeah so before we get started we're, we're going to be breaking down all of the main car fights for ufc 291 like i mentioned before it really is a good card uh top to bottom there's a lot of really intriguing matchups in it, and we'll go through that. But you wanted to do a quick plug. Uh, you know, For those that don't know, we are a, a Northwest-based uh, a program here up in Portland, Oregon, and so we do have a lot of ties, a lot of connections. And uh, Unfortunately, there was a situation not too long ago where a member of the Northwest fight community was a Bellator fighter. And, and Say his name again.
1: His name's Chris Lencioni. He's a uh, Bellator featherweight, uh, owns Sunshine Athletics, uh, out in Canby, which is near here in Portland. Um, and it was about June, early June 8th. I think he was training. He might've been up in Spokane at the time and uh, had a cardiac arrest. Uh, paramedics got to him pretty quickly and were able to, um, revive him with the defibrillator and, and bring him to a hospital. Um, but it looks like he suffered a little, uh, suffered some brain damage because of his, um, cardiac arrest. Um, he's progressing. Uh, they've released updates. Bellator has released updates and his, um, his wife via his Instagram has released updates, um, that he's getting better. Um, but it's a long road to recovery. And, um, you know, because it wasn't an injury that took place in the cage, um, He's going to be on his own to, to cover the cost of that recovery. And so his wife started a GoFundMe page. They're trying to raise $250,000. Um, mm. I think the last time I checked, they're at about 77000 which is good, but not nearly enough. Um, so we're going to link the GoFundMe in the description of this episode. Uh, there's also, um, if you are in the Pacific Northwest, uh, August 12th and 13th, American Top Team PDX is going to be hosting a no grappling in- uh, seminar. Um, local um, no grapplers um, from gyms all around the area are going to come and uh, host a weekend full of uh, instructionals and um, drills and training and seminars, and uh, uh, all the proceeds are going to go support uh, his care and his recovery. So if you are in the area and you can make it August uh, 12th and 13th at american top team portland and um, if you're not in the area we'll link to his gofundme page and you can help support him there
0: yeah we'll, we'll have a a, a post that, that provides all this information on it too so you would be able to to find out where it is if you want to go there uh and also donate to the gofundme page which you know as as a tight-knit community that we all are it would be good as much as we can to help help uh support those those in need or those uh you know athletes that have have taken a fall going through rough times so uh yeah definitely a really really sad situation but um you know we're gonna do the best we can to try and get the word out there to, to help them out as much as we can all right we love you chris yeah i love you buddy all right so uh on that note i guess we'll just turn right right into ufc 291 fist fights. Huh? uh yeah fist fights. we're going we're going to go through it so if you haven't heard what you're about to find out so they're We're going to start out the night. We're going to be talking about each one individually, break down what we think is going to happen. Like I said before, we're not a a betting uh, podcast, but I'll give you the odds just so you can get an idea about where where things stand. So the first fight of the main card, welterweight bout, which is Michael Chiesa uh, plus 125, taking on one of my favorite fighters on the UFC roster, Kevin Holland, minus 145. Next, we have a lightweight bout with Tony Ferguson, uh, can't believe he's back plus 285 it's taken on by bobby green at minus 375 uh, then we go to the welterweight bout of steven thompson who is minus 165 is taking on michael Piera, uh, Pereira uh at plus 140 and then a light heavyweight bout for the the i guess the co-main event which is jan Blahovic who's minus 120 taking on alex Pereira, minus 110 and then finally Which is going to be an absolute bloodbath, and I cannot wait for it. Dustin Poirier minus one forty-five is taking on my favorite fighter on the roster currently is Justin Justin Gaethje at plus one twenty-five. The BMF
1: uh, BMF belt and a rematch.
0: Yeah, BMF on the on the line here, and uh, if I remember correctly, Dustin Poirier took him took him TKO or took the fight by TKO round four, right? Correct. That's what happened last time, but there was a lot of back and forth going into that. So I'm excited about it. I'm excited about this entire card. But let's go ahead and kick it off with the uh, with the bout with Michael Chiesa taking on Kevin Holland. What are your thoughts,
1: man? You know, Kevin Holland is. You're absolutely correct when you say he's one of your favorite fighters. That's a that's the right thing to think because he's awesome. I love the way he moves. I love the way he strikes they uh they bill him as a kung fu fighter and i feel like for 99 percent of the roster if they walked out there and they were like i'm a kung fu guy that's my that's my base i'd be like get out get out of the professional league you're screwed yeah. buddy like you don't the novelty here.
0: stopped selling back in the 90s
1: Kevin Holland is incredible i really believe his kung fu base he moves so well he moves so fluidly he he he's able to generate maybe not like thunderous punching power but like such clean crisp striking from almost any position uh in his last fight um we covered it was against Santiago Ponzanibio coming off a little bit of a layoff and he knocked Ponzinibbio out clean with like a leaping left hook um, in a way that I had never seen before. Just the way that he is able to float through the air and stay offensive and his accuracy in those kinds of exchanges is just awesome. Um, his not his uh, KO against a, uh, Joaquin Buckley was awesome. That was a couple yeah. of years ago at this point. Just
0: And that guy's on a run.
1: Yeah. And yeah. um you know, and well, the biggest one I think is still his most impressive to date. And and all these are up at or most of these are up at middleweight too. So now they're down uh to one seventy where I think he really belongs. Um on the ground underneath Jocare, which is uh to leap from the ground from a seated position like he was in and land a solid blow on Jacare. That's incredible.
0: That guy's just did it. He did it with Jacare and his guard.
1: Yeah, he knocked him his... out
0: with Jacare and his guard. Incredible. Which I think is the only time it's ever happened in the UFC. And I've that never... that stat would not surprise me if if that's true. Yeah. But you know that that being said though, there's an elephant in the room here in the fact that kevin holland while being an amazing talent really good jujitsu fantastic striking reflexes probably one of the top five interviewees in the sport but his biggest weakness is 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 takedowns and getting you know um basically getting controlled you know, locked on the down, getting controlled yeah on yeah. the bottom we've seen it with um, well, Hamza, I don't even really necessarily think that was a good indication of where he is at with his ground game. But who is the uh, the other guy that he uh, lost Derek to? Derek Brunson um, held him Derek down. Derek Brunson, yep. Marvin
1: Vittori held him down. And uh, he debuted at middleweight against um, Tiago Santos before he went up to light heavyweight. Uh, and Santos pretty much held him down the whole time too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that segues in pretty nicely to – Michael Chiesa, uh, who won his season of The Ultimate Fighter, um, is primarily a wrestler, uh, submission grappler, uh, not quite as big as all of those guys who were able to hold Holland down, Yeah. um, but he's definitely no slouch. He's a really good wrestler. He's a really good grappler. Um, He's got some really slick uh, defensive work on the ground. Um, and he's got some really good submission skills as well of course um he's i got think that guillotine. yeah for sure i think the thing that's that's really going to hurt kiesa here is uh is that his, is his size um you know he was way too big for lightweight um when he tried to fight at 155 um and he's much more comfortable at 170 but yeah. If you can make 155, you That's are smaller. Exactly I was gonna you're smaller up. than all those guys that were beating Kevin Holland. There's no sure. way they were making 155.
0: By 2 weight classes.
1: But yeah, by 2 weight classes. A lot of them shouldn't have been at welterweight or shouldn't have been at middleweight.
0: Mm-hmm. But also with, with Kiesa, you know, he's he strikes me as a self-made athlete. Yeah. Right. Whereas Kevin Holland is You know, you can just see it's in his DNA to have that, that speed, that explosiveness. And what I like about what Kevin Holland's changed over the last, I'd say three or four fights is his ability to adapt and stay within a game plan, which is something that he was not doing before. And also that he seems to be taking the sport much more seriously than he was before where, you know, he would get mouthy on the bottom. And and just be talking trash the whole time. And, you know, after a while, the the novelty started to wear off and it almost became annoying for those people that were that were fans of his, including myself, because you don't want to see someone just accept the loss and say, well, I tried and, you know, come back to it. So I feel like he has grown and he's matured as a fighter. I feel like his ground game was already good, but it's getting better. Um, It's it really comes down to his takedown defense. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that Kiesa is explosive enough to be able to get in tight with him unless he's been able to back him up against the, uh, against the cage, which he's going to need some pretty slick striking and slick pressure to be able to do that against Kevin Holland. And I don't see that happening. And so I'm taking Kevin Holland for the win in this one.
1: I think Holland's going to piece him up and he's going to stay on the outside. He's so long, uh, and he uses that, that length really well. And he's so accurate and he's so fluid. Um, Cass's striking isn't nothing, that's to be sure. No, um, no. But his last levels. two losses, his last two losses are um Sean Brady uh and Vicente Luque. And Luque, he was actually lighting up at the beginning of that fight. I think he, it it ended up being a loss in the first round after like an amazing turnaround and comeback, but you can't have an amazing comeback unless you were really on the ropes. Um and Kiesa was really putting the work onto Luke before um, he ended up turning around. I think he caught him um, in a Darce choke, which is Luke's um, signature choke. And then Sean Brady was able to control Holland, or Holland, was able to control Kiesa on the ground um, for the majority of their fight. But um, in that last round, Kiesa took the last round and was able to outstrike uh, Sean Brady and, and really won that round back. Um, so he's not helpless uh, on his feet by any means, um, but I do think grappling is going to be his primary method, and I, I yeah. just don't know if he's going to be able to get that off um, consistently enough to control, like, large sections of these
0: of these rounds. I'm curious as the size difference between them height-wise, because I know Kevin does a really good job of keeping people at bay. Or making a miss. You know, he's got really good footwork. He's got a really good jab. And he does hit really, really hard, even for the welterweight weight class. Yeah. Because he got, was starching people. He sure was.
1: I got here. Yeah. Um, Holland is two inches taller and has a five and a half inch reach advantage.
0: Okay. I mean, I, I don't want to do MMA math because I don't think that's a really good way to, to judge it. But, you know, when I look at it, I I, I don't think it's a clear cut. This is going to be a, a, a one-way fight. But I think as time goes on, I think that Kevin's gonna, you know, keep getting more and more shots and just like he did uh, in his last fight, where it was not an instant win, but over the course of first second round, he started landing more and more and then and, and and you know, took the W. So that's the way I see it going. I agree. All right. So both in agreement with Kevin Holland. So next is Tony Ferguson back from the dead taking on Bobby Green. It's an interesting fight, isn't it? It's yeah. interesting that it's it's a weird matchup.
1: uh I, mean, I you know I think my it's opinion, appropriate. I think it's appropriate. It Tell me why you think Ferguson.
0: it's appropriate. Well, Tony Ferguson was was literally fighting the elite, the best of the best, right? And yeah. you know, he he started going that slide after fighting Gage G. Uh but then he had, you know, Diaz, but he was he was scheduled to fight who was it again? Was it Hamzat? He was he supposed to fight?
1: Yeah, he was supposed. uh was supposed to fight. He was supposed to fight up. Um no, I think he was supposed to fight Kevin Holland. And Nate Diaz. Oh, was it was Kevin supposed, Holland? Nate was supposed to fight.
0: Yeah, that's that that's right. That's
1: uh right. no. I think he was gonna fight Li Jing Liang instead. I think yeah, he was gonna fight Li Jing Liang at welterweight. And Kevin was gonna fight um, Daniel Rodriguez, and Nate was gonna fight Hamzat.
0: Boy, that's like eighty situations. Sure. That's I'm like eighty situations. Sure. Yeah, that's fine. No, we'll go with it. Where the uh, the last second changeup really made it a much much better card. It doesn't Dude, happen very often. I
1: have a I have a suspicion that Hamzat did that on purpose. I uh, you know I don't know why, but like. He gave zero explanation. All of a sudden, he's a bad guy. He's like, I made, I miss weight by seven pounds. Whatever. Fuck you. You want me to make weight? Blah, 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 blah. You know? And, and then he just, and they didn't have any explanation. The doctor just stopped it. They didn't say why. And then they ended up having a much, much, much better card. Yeah, uh, much better I, card. You know what? I think out did it on purpose. He's actually a, a, a the people's champ.
0: Going Going <laughs> full conspiracy theory on it. I believe uh, it to but be any, so. anyway with uh you know with Bobby <laughs> Green it just seems like it's uh you know Bobby Green's a gatekeeper you know mid upper tier fighter and it you know to have this is what could be his final fight uh you know I, I don't know if he's signed any contracts recently but it just seems like it seems like a step back but based on what I saw against him versus Nate Diaz um he's just not the same person that he was yeah, three or four but... years ago.
1: I think that's good.
0: Then you know, like you need. It's just weird got, to see, right? You know, well, he's always been either the main event, co-main event, mm-hmm. and then he fought Diaz as you know. Was that the main event? The it, Last fight. It was it the was. main event. But, so it's it just it's just different.
1: But that was the best fight that Tony's had in that in his last five. <sighs> you know, I think like. If you're always fighting the best, if you've slipped a little bit and you're always fighting the best, you're just going to get beat down yeah. over and over and over. You it's need a little bit of a reset. It's an interesting
0: matchup. It's an interesting matchup. Uh, I, I don't see Tony Ferguson being able to claw his way back up into contention.
1: No, 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 no. At this point. I, he His style relied so much on his athleticism and his speed and cardio. his durability and his cardio. Yeah. Um, and, and those have all started to decline. He just doesn't move. You really saw it, uh, at the last fight. There's a clip somewhere. I haven't, um, I haven't pulled it up, um, ahead of time, but there is a clip of Tony Ferguson ahead of the Nate Diaz fight and ahead of the Edson Barboza fight. And he does this little like, um, single leg shot kind of back and forth, um when they're announcing his name when Bruce Buffer is saying Tony Ferguson and you know mm-hmm. um, yeah. giving him his introduction he does this little like shot back and yeah. forth across yep. his and he looks so labored in his last one like it looks like he like almost holds his back like an old man as he gets down and like shoots the slowest most de- like deliberate single leg And then stands back up really slow. It looks, I mean, it was painful to watch. I don't, but so, you know, he was going up to welterweight for a bit, uh, or going back up to welterweight. I don't know how, you know, putting on all that weight again affected him, but back down to lightweight.
0: Yeah. He did seem labored. He even seemed labored during the fight. And he was throwing a lot of those, like, weird, you know, the weird spin Moves that he was doing, like the spinning yeah, you elbow. Could hear, you could hear over his and over. Corner.
1: Again. They kept saying, "Don't turn your back, Tony. Don't yeah. turn your back." He would throw these big, committed swings, and yeah, just like pause and leave his back turned. Uh, and because it was Nate Diaz, he didn't do anything about it. Yeah, Nate just said like, "What bitch," and let him do it. But yeah, yeah I think he slapped him. I, I probably correctly. slapped
0: him. <laughs> yeah. So how do you how do you see this going? I mean, there's a lot of unknown. I mean, I say there's a lot of unknowns. It seems like Tony's definitely on a downhill trajectory Yeah, right the now. unknown
1: is is how steep, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, but, you know, he is going back to lightweight. I don't know if that, that helps his cardio necessarily. But Bobby Green, you know, another really good, really durable fighter. He's had a couple setbacks recently, I think, against— um, well, I know he had the one against Islam. And then Dober, right? Yeah, and he lost, he to he Drew, lost Dober. Yeah,
1: lost to Drew Dober.
0: Um, that was a pretty good fight, though. Yeah,
1: God, that was a, that good was a really one. good. And fight. then his last one um, was over in one round. I could, I think, you, if I remember correctly, it was against Jared Gordon. I remember him beating yeah, Jared Gordon. A... Um, and then there was an accidental clash of heads that correct. Um, Gordon got the worst of, and Bobby Green was able to finish the fight after that. But I think they call it a no contest. Yep. Um, Bobby Green is, I'm looking at his record. He's 29 and 14. That's a huge fight career. Like, yeah. Bobby Green has been around forever. And, uh, God, he is so slick. I think, like, the big yeah. challenge for Diaz here, and this is a winnable fight for Nate, D- or for Nate, for Diaz. Jesus. This is a winnable fight for Tony Ferguson. Um, I really believe that. Uh, but he's going to have to be smart. He's going to have to adapt. Because Bobby Green is so slick. His head movement is awesome. His upper body movement is awesome. He counters in combinations so well. He's just like, just such a fun striker to watch. Uh, but But moving your head and your upper body like that requires you to plant your legs. And... Bobby Green has been a sucker for low leg kicks in the past. Um you just you need a base if you're going to be moving your torso that much. Mm-hmm. And in Tony's last fight, he really did kick the shit out of Nate Diaz's legs. Blasted him. And yeah, yeah Diaz is also a sucker for the low leg kick, but like that tells me what tony ferguson can do to people who are suckers for a low leg kick and they're still dangerous he still goes shin to shin he's still willing to just slam bone on bone because he knows he's going to come out on top of those and um god that that will be really really crucial to him winning this fight i think
0: and bobby green doesn't really throw much in terms of kicks at all no he's
1: primarily a puncher primarily boxing but so good. I mean his attacks yeah, are so good. varied. And he, he's quick. Yeah. That's so yeah, exactly that. I think Tony is really going to have to make it a point to slow Bobby down early. Low leg kicks, front snap kicks to the body. He's gotta get on those quick. But he can't just throw them naked either, because Yeah. Green will make him pay for it. If, overhand, if Tony right. gets caught if Tony gets caught on one leg he he just does not have the recoverability anymore. And Green hits hard, and Green Green hits like Holland hits, where it's so like technically sound that even though it doesn't look like it hits with a tremendous amount of force, it is it's a devastating punch. Um, and Bobby does that really really well.
0: Well, and Tony also is not a great takedown artist. Yeah. So, you know, he, he falls to his back a lot on purpose cause he, you know, he's obviously really good on the ground, but, but Bobby Green's also a really good wrestler and he's going to, yeah, I agree that he's going to need to do that. But the, the one thing I've, I've seen from Tony in the last three or four fights that hasn't changed at all is he does not adapt well. So when things are not going well for him, I mean, you look at the Gaethje fight as, as case in point, now obviously there's been more fights since then, but you know he can he can take a lot of damage and there is nothing changing the next round going into it and that's where I get really nervous about watching him fight. I get nervous and watching him just even for his own health reasons because he was taking that left hook from Gaethje over and over again. So if he's going to be reliant upon a leg kick and he's not going to be able to set it up or at least in a lot of you know a, a takedown that's going to be realistic, right? Because Bobby Green's got really good takedown defense, then. That's that's a pretty narrow margin for him to be able to go in and try and and try and take the W on. Yeah, I feel like a lot a lot more can go wrong can go right there.
1: Yeah, it and and you know, so we're talking about like being adaptable and having a good game plan. I don't even know where he's training right now. Um I don't know if he knows where he's training right now. I the last um uh, <laughs> for his last fight, he was at Jackson Wink of all places. He says uh, you know, he said I needed um real coaches again i couldn't just be running my own camp i needed to go somewhere established um but i haven't seen where he's trained since then really he doesn't post a lot anymore um just a bunch of like champ shit only tweets um with like 10 emojis mixed in that are really hard to read
0: do you you know who he reminds me of in this point in his career diego sanchez yeah yeah or bj penn or shit just getting weird. Yeah,
1: yeah, he's had a rough time. I think, I think he crashed his motorcycle recently too. Um, that's not good. Yeah, I mean, I'm he <laughs> he can he came out of it a lot better off than other fighters have. You know, I'm like thinking about Frank Mir, but yeah. um, you know, that's you know, thirty nine. That's gonna affect you. That's gonna linger more than it would have when he was, you know. 29 29 dude
0: it's a motorcycle crash but i mean i don't know how bad it was but you know i know that his his life choices have been suspect over time uh i know that he hasn't made the adjustments to stay uh you know in the top tier his body's definitely aging his speed's slower his cardio's lower and he's taking on someone that i think is going to be able to exploit it and bobby green now bobby green's what how old is he now 36 36 so he's got a little bit of youth on him doesn't have the road mileage that ferguson does uh i think even though i think the odds you know minus 375 for green i think that's that's too high you know that's a little bit big of a delta to overcome mm-hmm. uh you know but i don't i don't think it's that i think it's closer than minus 375 but i think i think bobby Green's going to take this
1: um, I think he is too. I I would love to see Ferguson be able to put on a a, a like a classic Tony game plan. I'd love yeah. to see him work the body with those stabbing front kicks and and work the legs with, you know, like those chopping shin on shin uh low leg kicks and and his uppercuts are still really good. Like he's still got like like a decent connection. Like he still has pop sure. when he hits. Um, it just like a lot of his punches are in like arcs now. Um, and he's going to have to be really clever if he wants to get any of those in on Bobby green. I just, I don't know if he's up for it.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I th- I think it's going to go the distance because I think they're both tougher and shit, yeah. but I think it's going to get pretty one sided after the, uh, after the second round. So I'm going to say Bobby green by decision.
1: I think it's pretty smart.
0: All right. So next welterweight bout, Steven Thompson, Minus 165 is taking a Michael per- uh, Pereira at plus 140. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, Stephen this... Thompson's swang song coming up, man. That guy's getting. Boy. He.
1: But he's I like mean, ageless. <laughs> you tell me that guy's 40. Like we just said, oh my God, Tony Ferguson is so old. There at is a dramatic
0: difference between the 39 year old Ferguson <laughs> and the 40 year old Stephen Thompson.
1: He looks awesome amazing and you know maybe he's not quite as like quick trigger fast as he was but his game is so disciplined his game is so practiced like he's one of those guys that like you know you know we were just saying that like tony doesn't adapt really well but dramatic contrast right yeah but like steven doesn't like adapt like he plays his game and Everybody else has to adapt to him. It's so unique. He finds – he's such a a unique position in this sport where he functions as sort of a gatekeeper at this point. Um, But, like, I mean that in, like, a very, very respectful way where, like, unless you are very smart or incredibly physically gifted, it's going to be very tough to solve the Stephen Thompson puzzle he, he just he moves differently than everybody else. His weapons are different. His footwork is different, and and people have been watching him do it for years now, um, but he's still really really hard to figure out.
0: Seems like a tough guy to train for, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Who do you
1: yeah? To who do you fight? Bodies in the
0: room. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I agree with everything that you're saying. And and even though he's been. You know, had a little bit of a slide, you know he's kind of you know win loss, win loss mm-hmm. he's always game, and he's all he could be a threat for anybody at the championship level, and you know he might lose, but you know the people i'm I'm most concerned about him losing to are, are wrestlers, you know, really good wrestlers people yeah that can after tie that him up.
1: yeah, after that Gilbert burns loss. That's um, yeah, a case got, in point. Yeah, he got stuck under Gilbert for that whole – and um, and then his other recent loss uh, was to Bilal Muhammad, who also mm-hmm. stayed on top of him and, and held him down and um, kept him from moving. That's going to be tough. So saying that, um, Michelle Pereira is a f- phenom. He's incredible. That guy, mm-hmm. it, you know, so I, I made a point to say you either have to be incredibly, like, smart to, like, recognize his movement patterns and, and find your exploits in there. Or you have to be an athletic freak because Michelle Pereira is insane how fast he moves, how hard he hits, how mobile he is. He, I I think he's like a capoeira guy to start. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did I say uh, Michael
0: in the beginning? I think I I think you might have. But yeah, yeah, it's Michelle. Michelle I I know it's Michelle. Sorry, I'm reading it.
1: I appreciate you. He is, and and I think he's he is pretty famous for his loss. Um, He had a short he had a short notice replacement against this guy Tristan Connolly who made his UFC debut, he was a lightweight, went up to welterweight to fight Michelle Pereira, and Pereira sprinted and danced in the walkout, and he did a bunch of dance moves and backflips in the cage and gassed himself out in the second round, and Connolly was able to wrestle him to a decision win, and it was awesome. And that has
0: not happened to Pereira since. He has not
1: made that mistake again.
0: I remember that vividly. I remember I was like, I'll never put put money or i'll never even like bring this guy but i thought he was probably gonna get in the ufc after that performance yeah um
1: but he's turned it around he's got two losses uh in the ufc right now and one of them is uh diego. tristan connelly who is not in the ufc anymore and the other one is a decision or uh, sorry uh, a dq loss to diego sanchez wow. cruel full circle cruel cruel to put diego sanchez in there with this guy um and pereira was just beating the dog shit out of him mm-hmm. uh and then i think he hit him with an illegal grounded knee uh and diego took it he 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 he's like i can't continue and, and got the dq win which is a good veteran move uh But Pereira's looked sensational ever since. Um, He's on a string of decisions right now, which is actually pretty encouraging, I would say, meaning that he's, like, really focused on, like, reining himself in and just, like, applying good, solid, even pressure. Um, The fight that I watched for this one was uh, against Zelim Imadaev, and that was a showcase. Um, Pereira was... He hit him with a showtime kick. He like jumped off the cage with a superman punch. He like was kissing his palms and just slapping him. Like in the like the third round, Pereira didn't throw a punch. He just like open-hand slapped his opponent like a dozen times throughout mm-hmm. that round. I mean, he really he really is like some incredible athletic offense. Um but at the same time, and this is really unique, he's very, very defensively sound. He's got great head movement. He's got great cage awareness. He circles out well. He changes angles at the right times. He doesn't get trapped against the cage. He do, like Outside of being this like athletic specimen that does all these super crazy high energy, high output moves, he's also very technically sound. Very capable um, of putting on, like, a solid defensive,
0: like, performance. Yeah. Do you remember is... his fight against uh, Andre Fialo, uh, Fialo?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Dude.
0: Because that was a back-and-forth fight. And what that showed to me is, number one, he's got a chin. And, and a number chin. two, he has number two, he can adapt, too. Because that, yeah. that fight, he was about to lose that fight, Um, I think, after the first or second round. I don't remember mm-hmm. it exactly, but... Uh, I agree with everything you're saying, and he's on he's on a good tear, and he's fought some. You know, Fialo is a a really good fighter. I mean, he's really, yeah really
1: heavy-handed too,
0: heavy-handed. And so, if you look at at their fighting styles, I mean, it's going to be a really interesting matchup because you've got the the karate versus I don't you know you would consider you know capora slash kickboxing. Um, you know, he seems to do pretty decent on the ground too, but yeah. I haven't seen him get taken down all that often. Um, I don't know that you
1: will hear either.
0: (laughs) No, I definitely know that you won't hear. So it's you know basically that's what it comes down to is two, you know, ridiculously um, athletic strikers in their own right. You know, and maybe maybe Pereira has a little bit on the athleticism side, but I think the skill set side probably lends towards uh, Thompson. I I don't know, man. This is going to be a really really good fight. You know what I'd like to see.
1: I'd like to see um, the same gentleman's agreement that uh, Wonder Boy and Kevin Holland had, uh, yeah, that's right. where Holland took him down, I think, once, maybe twice, and both times, like, just let him back up and kind of, like, acknowledged that, like, nah, this will just be a striking match because we both know how cool it is. And Holland lost that, but I don't think he regrets it, uh, and I'm sure glad he he fought like that, too. Yeah. So I also, wonder if Pereira will do the same.
0: So, how long is, has Thompson been uh, back at welterweight?
1: Thompson never left.
0: Welterweight. I White? thought he did. I thought he. I thought he did a couple fights. Uh, because I'm, I'm no. looking at I'm looking at the UFC right now and it's saying that's uh, he's 185. He's got Pereira at 170. Is he really? Enough. I've yeah.
1: never, I don't think I've ever seen. I know he fought like Robert Whitaker back when Whittaker was a welterweight. Maybe um, that's from
0: getting mixed up.
1: Yeah, but I don't think he's ever been up at 185. Uh, he's appropriately sized. I think he, yeah, he's a 170 guy. I, I know it's getting tougher for him to make the cut now that he's 40, um, but I don't think moving up is going to be the solution for him. Uh, I think once he can't make the weight anymore, that's going to be a good time for him to call it. Um,
0: yeah. I think I think he fights because he enjoys it.
1: God, he he sure does and and I enjoy watching him fight. He's just too. a he's a great representative of the sport. He's a blast. Um you know, I am a little nervous for him in this one. I know he's got his own defensive tactics. I know he's he he's sound in yeah. his own right and I know he can crack and I know he's got all this but um Pereira is just like a super sized Anthony Pettis at this point. Like he's enormous. He, I'm shocked he makes welterweight, frankly. And he's got almost no fat on him, and he flies through the air, and uh, and his his strikes are so. It's not that he moves like in an odd way. Like we were talking about Duplessis, um last uh, last episode. He doesn't, like, move with, like, a janky kind of striking style. But because he has such a wide range of very athletic moves, it's really hard to predict where his next strike is coming from and what kind of strike it's going to be. Um, he doesn't have any tell or wind up in his, like, leaping flying knees or anything like that. And, and that's what caught Wonderboy against um, Anthony Pettis. And Showtime knocked him out cold. Got him with like a mm-hmm. Superman punch over a a low leg kick, like a like a low line side kick, and uh, and I could totally see Pereira getting well a Wonder Boy with something pretty similar.
0: Well, I mean, with with Thompson, you know, what he needs the most to to, to implement his skill set is distance. Mm-hmm. So he's really relying upon keeping people at bay. Whether it would be you know with a teep kick or leg kicks or just like with his footwork, and I think Pereira has the ability to cover the distance really, really quickly with his athleticism. And and when he brings when he does cover the distance is dangerous enough to be able to knock people out. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Um, you know, Stephen Thompson's minus one sixty-five, Pereira's plus one forty. I feel like. I, th- I think Pereira. I'm gonna yeah, me Pereira too. On I think that too. Yeah, that's interesting because I, you know, I actually started this out with with thinking I was going to go with Thompson about a week yeah. ago, and I started watching some film, and I was like, you know, I, I sometimes I feel like I I I relate back so much to what and I saw Pereira take on that short notice fight and how you know what a ridiculous display that was, yeah, and I, I think I need to give him his due respect now, and I I, I think he takes this one mostly because Stephen Thompson's forty. Oh, being, being the primary reason. It comes for us all, huh? It does. It really does. All right, so moving light along here. Jan Blahovic, this is at light heavyweight and this is Alex Pereira's first debut at light heavyweight for uh, uh in May. But uh Jan Blahovic is minus 120 and Alex Pereira minus 110. Man, this is close and I think that's
1: those are good odds. I am really excited for this. I'm nervous, yeah. too, because I like both these guys, and uh, I don't want either of them to lose in the way that the other fighter wins, if you know what I mean.
0: <laughs> I do know what you mean. I, I'm su- I'm surprised oh that, that Blahovic is not coming in the favorite, though.
1: Yeah. Um, that's people, surprising to me. You know, I wonder if that's like a holdover from his last fight. But that really shouldn't be, because like, he was peace and up. That was um, that was when, um, Yuri Przhazhka. Blew his shoulder and mm-hmm. vacated the belt, and Blahovich and Ankalyev were gonna fight for interim gold, and they just upped it to, the the real thing, and Blahovich looked good those first 3 rounds he i mean he nearly had it in the third i don't know what was like the thing that stopped it but he was doing those like direct shin to shin low leg kicks and those looked nasty he yeah. was following uncle live around and just chopping him down and he got both legs I worked them both and had him right where he wanted him um but just wasn't able to put his foot on the gas and, and get the finish in the third round and, and then ended up getting held down for the next two. But, you know, obviously uh, neither of us really suspect that Pereira was going to be the one to hold him down.
0: Um, no. I'd be, you know, I think And, all and, and I also was, remember what yeah. Blahovich did to Adesanya. Yeah. These you know, are just bigger guys. I mean, they can absorb more. I, I would be curious as to what Blahovich walks around at but he's a big dude. He seems like a big guy for even 205. Yeah, he, and I, I know everyone talks to... about I know everyone talks about Pereira being this really big guy, but you know, if you just look at him on, you know, I'm looking right now on the UFC website, just the just the thickness is pretty significant between these two.
1: Yeah, uh, Blahovich has got this really weird like top heavy build where like his sh- chest and shoulders are like disproportionately wide. Um, but what that means is he has some like thudding, serious power, um, and, and he can get that power going really quick with like short hooks, um, short, like shovel hooks and, and you know, um, what he, what, what did he get, um, Dom Reyes with, uh, like a downward punching side on kind of jab, yeah, uh, yeah and just totally rocked his shit like uh, polish power is a real thing man and blahovich has got it yeah but,
0: and he's also but, savvy yeah yeah he makes uh, yeah a lot that's, of great that's adjustments
1: that's correct that's so yeah beyond just being big beyond just being like a heavy hitter in that fight with Adesanya, he's weird he's like he str- he blo- he parries um, in a weird way, and sets his strikes up in a weird way, and he does that blitz, which I think is gonna, which I think could get him in trouble in this one. Um, but he's got a lot of weird attacks and punching from weird angles. Um, he was really frustrating Adesanya on the feet even before it became like a, like a a, a match where he was like primarily imposing his size advantage. Mm even when they were just trading from the outside, he was really holding his own and frustrating Adesanya in a way that I don't think um, he or anybody else was expecting from that fight.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you. I I think he's got a lot more avenues. You know, everyone talks about, you know, not really seeing Alex Pereira on the ground all that much. Mm -hmm. And we talked about, you know, Izzy's amazing uh, takedown defense, but you know, as he got tired, blew through adesanya now i believe that was was that a five-round fight i think sure it, was that was this is for so the light belt yeah. yeah so that's going to change things but that means that alex i mean alex has got one way to win in my opinion it's going to be to knock him out mm-hmm. or at least at least piece him up but i mean blovich is you know who's the guy um god what was his name that moved up and and actually lost to Jan Blahovich. He, he just fought Mike um, in bare knuckles. What's his, God? What's his name? Oh, Luke Rockhold. Luke Rockhold. Yeah, th- this is something I was talking about with my buddies. when I was trying to break down, you know, him moving up. They're like, "Oh, he's so good. He's gonna be a piece of up. I was like, Dude, "If you don't have success at the lower weight class, moving up doesn't solve a whole lot of problems, typically." Mm-hmm. And. He's going up against a grizzled veteran that has championship level experience, that's fought the best of the best, and is you know, he's getting older, but he's been holding his own against everybody so far that he's fought. Like everyone that he goes against he puts through an absolute battle. Like Glover Teixeira, uh, Uncle I have, all those guys. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I I'm surprised that the odds are this close. I think that they should be giving Jan Blohovich the benefit of the doubt. And Something
1: about Something about him, uh, he just he does seem to be like the perennial underdog, in strangely in almost every fight. Mm-hmm. And it's like people like we don't learn, um, yeah. we don't learn the tale of <laughs> the fist of the hanged man. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I you know, I I think that. Yeah. So I mentioned it before. The thing that I'm really worried about is those blitzing strikes that Jan does, which are good. And it's good that he forces his opponent backwards. And I would be content at, at like moving his opponent backwards into the cage. If his opponent wasn't the guy who has his most powerful punch when he's moving backwards, that's like the the mm. one thing that gives me concern. And yeah, um, Alex has a lot of other weapons besides just his left hook, um, but That's a lot. Yeah, he does, and and he's got a really good chop and low leg kick, and a lot of those things are in service of setting up his left hook, which is, you know, that money punch. But but even to be able, like, he slides back and lands that left hook as a counter so well, he's so practiced that um I'm just a little bit nervous when I think about Jan blitzing forward and throwing two or three punches without returning to his guard that just makes me
0: a little nervous um But don't you, don't you think if if Jan shows some takedowns early on Yeah. He's going to free a lot of that up. I think you're right. I think that's a really good point. Cuz he does have the ability to take him down. I mean I and he's got really really good timing on his takedowns too. He does. And you know, he's gonna come in. I bet you he comes in at two twenty. Blahových is they, big. Yeah, yeah he's, he's big,
1: big and big. he's and I and I know that that Pereira has been training with with Glover Teixeira. Um, but just because you train with somebody who was able to outgrapple Blahovich doesn't mean that you can outgrapple Blahovich or, or sure. get out with you know, and even if he does get out, if it costs him a ton of energy I think Jan's okay making that that, that's that's what I'm concerned
0: about you know like I think Izzy was really the perfect matchup for him to showcase his skill set but then now him going up in a a pretty dramatic weight cut 20 pounds and fighting a guy that that has shown that he can take down Izzy and yeah I, I I think that Blahovich is going to take this fight. I don't think it's going to be easy. I think he's going to need some shots, and there's going to be some scary moments. But I think the first time that he gets him down, I don't think Pereira is going to get back up. Uh, you know, in between, like he'll, it'll keep going round around. Like I don't think he's going to finish him on the ground, but I think he's going to wear him out, and I think he's going to slowly start to succumb to that pressure, and and not just not have the pop round. You know what? Round two, I think he, round three. He, he might finish him on the ground.
1: Uh somebody was mentioning I was reading it. I must have seen it on Instagram. I think um the MMA on Point uh guys brought this up is that uh Pereira's 3 months out from a devastating knockout. He mm-hmm. was absolutely out cold and that was not that long ago. So I don't know how long he's been like back to full contact training. I don't know how long he was like medically yeah, suspended. Yeah, usually you have for.
0: A, you usually have a six month suspension after a six knockout like that. Six months at
1: least. So I yes, it's good that he's up to light heavyweight. I think yeah, people hit harder at light heavyweight, but I think you've got a lot more water in your brain <laughs> if you're not making that cut. Mm-hmm. So I, I know that's gonna be good for him, but but man, three months after getting totally starched like that is not a lot of time um
0: yeah and Blahovich hasn't fought since december right
1: yeah uh and and it was and he didn't get knocked out and he didn't even i mean yeah he, i mean he got normal fight wear and tear he got roughed up but the the rounds that Blahovich lost against uncle I have were due to control time not like taking excessive head trauma mm-hmm. so
0: that's a good point yeah so what that's, do you what, who do you think is gonna win
1: I think Blahovic. I think I think I would be a little bit I, I it would change my mind a little bit if this was another 3 months from now or, you know, another 5 months from now, but I think Jan's history of of top control. I think he's uh I want to say Blahovic is 4 and 0 against people making their move up from middleweight. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if that's super relevant, but like he, I think he's got the tools. Um, I know it's not going to be easy, but I I think he's got the tools, and I think he could
0: put him away. Don't don't you think that that they have done Pereira a little disservice here by throwing him against Blahovic on his first fight? At I think five? it's
1: a I think it's a great fight though. It's a great I, fight,
0: but don't you think that like, he would have been better served to fight a striker and to you know to kind of work out a little bit of a game plan than just throwing him against this guy. I mean, he's, he's going against a top level. Yeah.
1: I because mean, him and him,
0: and, uh, the uncle live fight was supposed to be dictate the next contender, but it was such a,
1: I think know, it was a, supposed to be a title fight. And and then it just ended up being a draw.
0: That's that's right. It was the interim fight.
1: Yeah. And then, uh, and then Jamal Hill got it and now he's out too. So there's yeah. no light heavyweight champ right now. Wow. So Pereira could feed if he if Pereira wins this one, he could be the light heavy two. with God. like five total fights in the promotion. He could be let's let's not a let champion that happen two on
0: principle. That <laughs> makes the UFC look bad. It makes MMA look bad. I I want Blahovich to win too. I think you know. I remember while I was watching, and we don't need to go down too far into this because I want to get to the next fight. But you know, he looked rather pedestrian in his first UFC fight you know he got taken down a lot I forget he was he was he was fighting a pretty much a no name at that point mm-hmm. um but he won and I've wanted to see him go against someone that can take his ass down ever since and I think we finally got the guy that can do it I do all right so both taking Alex all right both taking uh Jan I tried to right. trick me there yeah I'm sorry it's getting late buddy uh, final fight of the night Dustin Poirier minus 145 taking on Justin Gaethje plus 125 what a fight holy what shit a fight. what a fight
1: this is going to be awesome I mean God. it's going to be blood and guts because the guys As in the top is. the guys in the top five of lightweight I it, have ne- like there hasn't been a boring fight between any of them in the last five years it Dustin no. and Chandler, Dustin and uh, Olivera, Oliveira, Dustin and Gaethje, Gaethje no. and Khabib, Gaethje and uh, Chandler and Olivera and, and Chandler, man, sorry Mike, uh, if you're listening, but you got hammered on all the UFC free fights on YouTube in the last uh, couple of weeks, you yeah. were on there getting your ass handed to you dude. and
0: how good is that guy jesus yeah seriously it just goes to show you how deep it's the most it's the most watchable division in mma by far most
1: watchable is absolutely correct it's a it's a blast have you been noticing there seems to be this like assumption that dustin poirier is gonna just do it again and and dog walk gaichi and and beat him worse than he did last time
0: have you seen that i i haven't seen that specifically but the undertone is definitely leaning towards poirier yeah that surprises me um we need to cue that i think y'all forgot song y'all must have forgot y'all must have forgot dude justin gaichi is a fucking animal and he's and he's
1: only gotten better. Like yes. the the Gaethje that fought Dustin Poirier is the, is not the same Gaethje that has been fighting ever since. He has really changed. I mean, he is more measured. He's more controlled. His footwork is better. Like the the those two losses back to back for Justin Gaethje against um, Eddie Alvarez and then Poirier. Like, that was what he needed. How long ago was that? 2018. That was five years ago. It's a long time. Yeah, that was the year he debuted. I think it was 17 or 18 was when he debuted. And then he had that barn burner, go figure, with Michael, Chan- uh, Michael Johnson. And then...
0: Oh, that was his first fight.
1: Yeah. And then Eddie Alvarez, Dustin Poirier, lost yeah, both of those by lot. TKO.
0: There's a lot that's happened since then. I mean, Poirier yeah. looks good too, though
1: he does look good. He he does look good. Um, and, and, you know, obviously he's tough. Obviously he hits hard as shit. Um, you know, obviously he's got submission skills. I mean, he showed all three of those things against Michael Chandler in their last fight. Um, you know, but I, you know, I, Chandler caught him early on, uh, and was really low on to him and, you know, did a smart. He made a very smart veteran move where, once Porier started to shell up against the fence early on, Chandler switched, went to a double leg, dumped him onto the ground, and started you know applying more damage. And those were, that was a smart move. I just think if Geachy finds himself in that same position, he's going to stay standing but vary his attacks a little bit more. Mm-hmm. He his leg
0: kicks are incredible. Unbelievable. Unbelievable! Do you remember that that Fazeev fight? Yeah,
1: dude. Man. And Fazee
0: is an animal. He's everyone an absolute was saying animal.
1: that that Fazeev was one of the the greatest strikers to ever come into the UFC. Yeah, he,
0: yeah. Gaethje was written off, more yeah, or less they, in that
1: fight. He was the underdog. Yep. And God, yeah, I mean, and, and and he really put and just like we've been saying this whole episode is adaptability. His coach is brilliant. Trevor Whitman is one of my favorite mm-hmm. coaches. He's one of the best in the game. And yep. Justin Gaethje listens to him. He implements the techniques that Whitman calls for. He's responsive when there's changes in the game plan. He is like – he he sticks to that plan also. I mean he puts pressure on really well. Obviously, he's always done that. He's got just hellacious power – uh, you know, he he has unique footwork in that he gets um, – his feet are even a lot more often than I, a lot of other fighters are. His his back foot will um, slide up until they're even, and that lets him, like, really shift his weight through for those big left hooks. Yeah. His overhand right to left hook is, like, his money combination, and the, the overhand right – He really leans forward into it and swings overhand. He's got that wrestler power. Yeah, and and that that big swing, that big committed swing brings his back leg, um, even if not just like right a little bit behind his lead leg. And then once his his hips are squared up, he has like a lot of torque to go side on and, and land that left hook, which rocked tony uh ferguson in their fight back in 2020 just over and over and over again such a hellacious combo yeah
0: and i I remember the conversation he was having with trevor whitman in the corner and that wasn't always the case Gechi used to be you know he, he would he would basically abandon the game plan get into a brawl wild every man. time yeah wild man and then you know he had a, a loss i forget who it was um who was it He lost to
1: alvarez portier
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Poirier. And then, you know, he basically said, it was in the fourth round, he's like, you know, don't let your guard down. He's like, he's like, no, I've done it once before. It won't happen again. And he was doing this, like, in the middle of the fight, which is yeah. something that you don't see very often, uh, you know, from these fighters, especially ones that have kind of, like, been ground into that, you know, the brawler style that he gets into, you know, like the one he had mm-hmm. with Chandler. <laughs> you know, even though he, he sometimes may abandon a little bit, but I think the Gaethje... I don't I don't know how this one's going to go. I I mean, I'm it's really going to be a war. <laughs> it's going to be an absolute war. But what I saw with Gechi versus Fazeev um, it was it just shows me how much he still got left in the tank. And you know, he, he was talking about retiring, which makes me a little bit nervous. When I mean, he said mm-hmm. at, you know, the post-fight interviews, he doesn't have very much longer in the sport. So maybe he's going to make a title run if he loses this fight, he might he might be leaving his gloves in the ring. I don't know. But yeah, it's going to be interesting.
1: You know, there is something that I think is pretty important, um, and I alluded to it in my hilarious sketch at the very beginning of this episode. <laughs> is <laughs> this these fights are taking place in Salt Lake I City? See where you're going with this? And um, the last time we had fights in Salt Lake City was uh, two eighty seven. I want to say it was Kamaru Usman versus Leon Edwards two. Where Edwards won the belt. And we also had Paulo Costa and Luke Rockhold, and everybody was gassing out in that card. It's not insignificant how high up Salt Lake City is. It's like 4,000 something feet mm-hmm. uh, in the air. And that is, uh, I have it right here 45. Uh, that can't be true. It's 4,500. 4,500 feet in the air, and that's up there. And Poirier trains at Coconut Creek uh, at American Top Team in Florida, and that's at sea level. And I and I made sure to look. He didn't come up, up to Salt Lake until like five days ago or something like that. So he hasn't been here wow. for at, – at this point, that's he still really hasn't been here a week. really
0: good journalism.
1: Yeah, there you go. And – and, and that's important. And Justin Gaethje trains at Go Figure Elevation Fight Team. That's a thousand feet higher than Salt Lake City is. So Gaethje's actually coming down in elevation to fight at Salt Lake, and he's already a cardio machine. And mm-hmm. and one of the only guys that didn't slow down um, the last time the UFC was in Salt Lake City was Kamaru Usman, at, who who trains with Gaethje. So you know if this fight does go later. Gagey puts such a pace on, and it's a pace that I really think he's gonna be able to maintain. And 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 Dustin Poirier is not gonna quit because he's tired, but things are gonna happen just a little bit slower when he's tired, yeah. and and his recovery is gonna be a little bit worse. He's I just don't think he's gonna be able to like n- survive flurries and and like get his head underneath him, you know, get his you know, get That's himself together. Yeah.
0: as well
1: as if he was fighting in Vegas oh.
0: that's an interesting point that you're bringing up
1: yeah i don't I didn't
0: think about that no i I think yeah. it's a really big factor because this is already a razor razor thin fight yeah and if we look at you know what who's got the advantage where I don't think any of them have any significant advantage whether it's on the ground or whether it's on the feet maybe I mean, Dustin hits like a truck. Gaethje hits like a truck. Um, you know, maybe Poirier has a little bit better combinations than Gaethje does. Maybe.
1: Maybe. Uh, you know, he punches in flurries a lot. But yeah. I, uh, But they are a, a lot of them are just like left and right hooks back and forth. Like his combinations are good, too. But like I think any extended punching sequence is mostly like lefts and rights back and forth, mostly mm-hmm. hooks. Um, he's got yeah, a good job too though he does but you know but so does Gaethje just like we were saying and then you know the new wrinkle to Gaethje's game Um, it, this is the first time I've seen him do it against Fiziev he was willing to shoot a takedown at the end of the round to secure it Um, and, you know he didn't do a ton of ground control but like 5 seconds left or 10 seconds left in, in round 2 I want to say Justin shot for a takedown and held Fiziev down um and I think he did it again in round 3 too. And that's like a new a new wrinkle to his game. You know, and, and I think if he shows starts to show that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah Cuz he is a good wrestler. He was a wrestler He's to really start. Wrestler. You know, yeah. I think if he starts to show that early um and just adds that as another layer of his offense to to feint and and to to bring Poirier's attention down to down to his hips i you know i really think that's going to be a um a really helpful tool especially if he makes poirier use his athleticism to stuff a takedown or to get up off of his butt
0: mm-hmm. yeah it, this is a razor-thin fight and i think you bring up what i think is the key point is the fact that that gacy can dish out ridiculous amounts of damage and it's going to be harder and harder for Poirier to recover from that damage because his gas tank is going to be suffering given the fact that he trains at sea level and he's going to be 4,500 feet in the air. Yeah. I mean, I it, it really even took point. out,
1: it even took out cardio Kane Velasquez when he fought, um, Fabricio Verdum up in Mexico city. Verdum, right. Verduum went to Mexico city like a month in advance and Kane went up in like two weeks and gassed out. And that was the beginning of
0: the end for him. Hmm. Yeah, no, I you, you swayed me a little bit. I mean, I my heart said Gaethje, my mind said Poirier. But I think you're bringing up something that I, I'm not yeah. going to be able to overlook right now, which is you, you've swayed me. So I'm, I'm going to take Gaethje in this. All right, I think so too. Is that what you're going with? Yeah. So how, how many underdogs do we have? We have one... Gaethje's an underdog and I think Pereira Pereira
1: so two, two
0: out
1: of five is um Blahovich an underdog
0: uh no no he's minus It's 20 120. 120 and 115 or something like that yeah minus 120 minus 110 so they're basically okay. even yeah all right even I like that I like that one I think everyone's a little bit too a little bit too big on Pereira because they haven't seen him against anyone as big as Blahovich is,
1: this will be, be a wrong. great card. I'm you know really what? Excited. I've been
0: I've been wrong so many times before. <laughs> Recently, I feel like, yeah, you
1: know, I was I this last card two
0: two ninety. I was, so I was out watching it. So concerned, I was so dialed. I was like, I've got it. <laughs>
1: I was so sure. I was so sure. And then, like as the night went on, incredible fights. Everyone's having a great time, and all I could think of was, oh man, I really fucked this
0: one yeah there was a a time where i was like i might go like one in four yeah seriously yeah and and i i thought i thought the last one was a foregone conclusion uh but this one this one i'm actually locked into you know done our done a research this time for sure this time this is an absolute lock so so take it take it to the bank everybody but Yeah. So outside of this, you know, we're gonna be back in a in a in a couple weeks. By the way, thank you for all the preparation and, and especially that little last nugget that you brought out on Gagey Poirier with the um that's solid. That's solid that's solid investigative journalism. Yeah, but, there you go. Yeah, so you know, we'll we'll get back with everyone after UFC two ninety one. I think the next fight is gonna be on August sixteenth, which is Sean O'Malley taking on Sterling or Algemon Sterling, right? Mm hmm. Yeah, that'll so be good. These, they got these back to back. Yeah, that, that's that's a good card.
1: Uh Li, Amanda Lemos for yeah. the strawweight belt. That'll be fun.
0: Vera, uh, Marlon Vera, Pedro Munoz is that's gonna be a there you go. That's gonna be a good fight. So we'll be back in a couple weeks to do uh, uh, to do our recap, another recap, but to do our predictions on that one. Pre-cap, yeah, pre-cap. But uh, yeah, I know what you're going to do for the fights. I know what I'm going to do for the fights. It's going to be the exact same thing. So, everyone, uh, we're going a little bit long right now. So, appreciate the time. Hopefully, uh, you got some some good picks out of this. And we will see you in a couple of weeks over and out.